0: Welcome to the Opportunity Knocks podcast by Empower Purpose, hosted by me, Michelle Valenzuela Wolf every week we feature different extraordinary female entrepreneurs in the business and wellness segments on just that opportunities these segments deep dive into how these courageous women transition into their purpose we want to give you permission to discover pursue and achieve your goals we learn and reaffirm that life is never linear it's how we as women choose to take make create and Evaluate opportunities. Remember, it's all going to be okay. Thank you for your support and make sure to subscribe. Hi, Mimi. How are you today?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm so glad to see you in person. It's been like a year, I think, right?
1: I know. I miss you.
0: Yeah, I miss you so much too. I'm so grateful for. Everything that you did to help me get my business off the ground uh, with Beauty Counter, actually, funny enough. But um, but you were you've been more than that, just instrumental in so many different ways because of your background and knowledge in finance and investments and, and so many different things. We have very similar mindsets. So
1: exactly.
0: Always been that connection point. But uh, I'm so excited today to introduce you to Mimi McLean, who is uh, not only the founder of Badass CEO, She, as I mentioned, she's got so many gifts, but she is also an angel investor. She's an author. She recently just published her book. And she is, as I mentioned, with Beauty Counter. She's a managing director, one of the first salespeople with Beauty Counter, but also was an investor, a seed investor of Beauty Counter. So um, We all come to the table with so many different gifts and I wanted to invite Mimi on because she's got this eclectic background that spans across just so many different uh, industries and categories. And frankly, Mimi was one of the people that I started Opportunity Knox with as a live. So I wanted to bring it all back full circle, girl. Right.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for coming back on and, and making this a real interview.
1: (laughs) I think that was the beginning of the
0: pandemic when that was, was it was half ago. It was because, um, speaking of opportunities, I think that I was given the opportunity to start a podcast prior to the pandemic and, uh, was like, Whoa, that seems like a lot of work. I'm not sure about that. And then because of the pandemic, a live turned into a podcast. So what a gift!
1: Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And I think in that time, I don't even know if I had my podcast yet. Or you if it didn't. Just a-
0: you didn't. You started yours. I remember like brainstorming, brainstorming, badass like CEO. A,
1: yeah, like a year and a half ago.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. So, so why don't we back up and tell everybody about your amazing background and. You know, I think that people need to hear a little bit more about how you came to bad Badass CEO.
1: Sure. I'm, I kind of like to think of myself as the uh, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> but anyway, um, my background has been in retail and investment banking and finance. And I have my CPA and my MBA. And when I had started having I have five kids, as you know, um, when I started having kids, I became an angel investor where I invested in, in different companies, women and male run companies, but I really took an affinity towards women run companies. And so when we invest in companies, I also like to be a part of them and kind of get in, involved. And that's one reason why I signed up to be a beauty counter consultant, because we had invested in beauty counter when it was the friends and family round before there was even product And, um, and then I decided to jump in just to learn more about the industry and to see the behind the scenes. And I had done retail before, but I'd never done direct marketing. So I wanted to kind of learn about that um, retail aspect of, of the business. And so I, I did that. But the reason why I started Badass CEO is about a year and a half ago. Um, I actually have another podcast called Lyme 360. I have, as you know, a chronic Lyme warrior. And I decided to interview doctors and um, other practitioners every week about different ways to heal from Lyme. And I really, really enjoy doing that. And I thought to myself, like, what other avenue can I do um, a podcast? And I was like, well, I'm already talking to these female CEOs, you know, and other, you know, founders. Um, as an angel investor, I'm like, wouldn't it be fun to do a podcast where I'm actually interviewing them, as if I'm interviewing them to raise capital? Mm-hmm. And so um, that's how it started. And then all of a sudden, the name came to me, and I couldn't believe that it hadn't been taken. So I was like, yeah. okay, it's meant to be. And so I, I jumped on it, and and here we are, a year and a half later. So I interview female CEOs every week, and kind of telling them their the stories and trying to figure out. Why, and you know, as I've been doing this, I realized the trend, which was shocking to me, is only 1.7% of female CEOs ever reach a million dollars in sales. Wow. Which was mind blowing to me, like how it could be so little, even though 50% of women start new businesses. Right. And so that's kind of where I've been like taking this podcast is trying to figure out why. Like what makes some women successful and some not? Like why do some succeed and reach that, become the 1.7% and others don't? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of been diving into that and thus that's why I started, I wrote the book. Because we kind of talk about where I saw the trends as an angel investor and as talking to all these women, where I saw the common theme. I definitely started seeing a common theme of why I thought.
0: And, And so there's two questions that I have for you out of that. First is, can you define- what an angel investor is and, and what seed rounds are, because I think, you know, there's so much that people either know or don't know about it. Right. And most women that I interview and or interact with coaching wise are not clear on when they need to seek investments or investing or not. So can talk a little bit about that. Yes, of course. So I like
1: to think of angel investors like you're in, you invest when it's very high risk. So I tell people like, do not invest as an angel investor, unless you're willing to lose that cash. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very high risk because like, think about it. I invested in beauty counter when there wasn't even product. Um, it was all concept. I wasn't able to try it. It's not like you're really that some, You know, founders want people involved. You know, smart money is what they call it when they when they can actually call and ask for advice. But a lot of founders don't want advice, so you have to know what you want and what you're comfortable with as far as um, that's concerned. So for seed money, I would say it's it's the very beginning. There's usually not a valuation, or if it is, it's very low. There might be a convert convertible debt. And at that point, that means like you're not getting a, a, an equity in it. So you're getting a discount. So when they finally do value it in the, C ra- in the seed round or later on, um, you know, that, that's when you're gonna get a percentage of like the bump up, you'll get a discount of the, whatever that valuation is. Usually mm-hmm. it's like a 20% discount on whatever they wind up valuing the company at. Now, what I tell people is I would not, you wanna be careful when you're looking for money that you don't get too much money early on when you're Mm -hmm. still not valued that high. Because think about it, you're giving, you only have a pie so big, right? And right now in the beginning, your pie is smaller because you haven't gotten the traction yet. You haven't taken the risk away, you know? So therefore you wanna make sure that you don't ask for too much money because then you got to give away too much of the pie exactly so you just take away really what you want uh so it's really risky so you have to find you're not going to vcs in the very beginning because their risk they want they want it later on, on. Yeah. yeah they want a company that's like already 100 million valuation totally. they're going to take it to a billion dollars or something to that nature where there's already a trend it's already been proven there's a track record you already know your business model In the beginning, when you launch a company, you kind of still tweaking and figuring out what your messaging is, what's your risk, what's your business model. And and that hasn't really been solidified yet. So um, you also, you wanna make sure when you're deciding if you wanna invest, once you bring in VCs and really establish like private equity funds, they're gonna usually want, you know, a board seat. They're gonna wanna say, you're gonna have to really start reporting. You know, like most of the companies that we invest in as an angel investor, we're lucky if we get financials from them, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're they're not required to give us financials every month or every quarter or every year. Usually every year you have to get something to report for, you know,
0: tax purposes. But What what dollar amount are we talking about with like angel investment? Is that different? Like per company? Do Mm -hmm. they give you a number that says we're looking to raise this amount? Do they do salons like where they have these dinners and basically ask people for money or... How does yeah, that? Like, you know, like, like, for example, they might,
1: usually they're typically looking for a couple million dollars, right? But that's amongst investors, like many investors. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's people like I know when we first started doing this, you, you're putting in 25 grand or whatever. Now, you know, or you can also join if anyone is listening and wants to become an angel investor or you're a CEO and listening, you can find angel groups. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of angel groups now out there where you can join and say, okay, I want to be an angel investor, but I just want to learn right now. I don't want to put up a hundred grand. I only want to put up five grand. Mm -hmm. And so you're joining as a group. And so they're, you know, getting 20 women together to put in five grand to make up the hundred grand.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So,
1: so you can do that as well to kind of reduce your risk, but how do you find an angel group? There's tons out there. Just Google them. They're they're every city, especially if you want to do something local. You can do women. There's ones that are also geared towards like only women, only finance, only, you know, mm. biotech. Like whatever you interest, like go because then you can also contribute to the group and listen yeah. usually to the due diligence calls and, and what you
0: say it's a little bit like um. You know, on the reverse, for example, like if you were uh, going to get angel investments from investors, it's the reverse where you're joining a group. So you should almost like interview them to make sure that you're comfortable with this is the group that I want to be a part of beyond the category that you're investing in. Right. So you're asking as an investor, or as, per- as a person that would like to become an angel investor, if you want to join an angel group, yes, like because this is your cohort
1: correct yes exactly so you can find there's tons of them in like new york city there's some in la i joined a group in la and they were, it was small there was like five of us yeah i took we took it like an angel class and then there was five of us and then we decided to stay on and keep investing on our own and then we kind of after we invested our deals kind of you know paid out and so then we we kind of went on our way but there are other groups um that are around that you can join but so like i said you can just decide which, what your focus is. Like if you only want to invest in like consumer products or women or finance. So that's kind of where they're more like broken down into as far as like either geography or what they're, what they're actually investing in. Cause they all kind of have a mission of what they're investing in. Um, so what else can I tell you about, uh, finance wise? So that's another thing I wrote about in my book is like, I definitely think there are women that I've interviewed that are afraid to ask for money because they don't know what to do. So they don't ask for money and that they, they don't go grow quick enough. Mm-hmm. Right. I think like, look at beauty counter, for example, she was not afraid to ask for money. She raised a lot of money really fast. She was very fortunate that she was able to get that amount of money funding for, especially for somebody who was not already in the established in that industry, but it, it, it allowed her to catapult herself like to the really early level. on to the next level and grow sales fast. I think a lot of women, so I don't be afraid to
0: ask is kind of like not to be afraid to ask.
1: It's a lot of work though. I mean, and don't be discouraged. Like everybody I talk to that has raised capital. I think they talk to a hundred people before they get one investor, mm. you know, especially the big guys, or you just got to keep asking, like if you're asking, you know, your rich next door neighbor, Hey, can I, can I show you my, my deck, whatever. Yeah. And if they say no, then be like, do you know anybody else that would be interested in a business like this? Right. So
0: you're always going to never know. You're always trying get it forward. You're always yeah. trying to find the next opportunity. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. So just keep asking. You're going to find somebody and maybe you're hitting them at the wrong time and It's kind of like beauty counter and trying to sell beauty counter. It's like, you just keep asking because you never know what door is going to open, but don't be discouraged. Um, But I, but I would say one message I want to get across is I, I see a lot of women there's, I don't want to say her name, but there's one woman I interviewed. And I remember saying like her product is so great. And I'm like, you've done so much. You've gotten so far. Um, but it took you a while. I said, why did it take you? She's like, cause I did it all. I didn't want to give any of my company away. I did it all with like what I earned. I put back into the company. Mm-hmm. I did it all. I hun- earned hundred percent. And I was thinking to myself, which is great. Cause you now own hundred percent, but yes. maybe you could have been there in five years instead of 10 years where mm-hmm. you were. So you've let stuff on the table. So,
0: so that sounds like you need to know when, when to ask for help.
1: Yes. Or be willing to like, just be acknowledge willing- what maybe you don't know. Yes. Or, or be willing to also give up a percentage at some point, once you already have like income coming in and you can kind of leverage off of that. But there's also a lot of opportunity now, um, where someone was saying like, is it Amazon finance or one of the, that they can actually give you loans based on your receipts coming in. So there's so many new options right now to get funding that you don't necessarily have to like do a whole bank loan and go apply for a bank loan, which takes so much time and it's very hard. And they usually say no, there's a lot of opportunity now that you can like kind of play off of your, your, your sales that you are coming situation. in. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: so do you, so you mentioned something earlier, you talked about like a deck, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think another thing that I hear a lot of women um, talk about is that there's obstacles around the logistical part, right? So it's like, you know, how do you become a bad CEO? You know, um, well, part of that is, is never giving up right and so talk to me about the logistics like i mean so you have to have a deck i'm sure there's a format Mm -hmm. and then my question is you mentioned like a lot of times that um investors never see the financials like do you have to have a business plan in place do you have to come with your p l Uh, your, your deck,
1: your deck is kind of like your business, it's kind of replaced the business right now. Um, you know, if you, yeah. So it's kind of more of a visual presentation of your deck. Everything's kind of boiled down into like a 15 minute presentation that you would give somebody. Um, and so all the information has to be on, on there. It's kind of like the condensed version of, of your business. If they want
0: more then they're going to ask for more. Correct. After that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you'll usually ask for just for a term sheet or maybe your financials, but, But that's it. Um, But what I would say to you as far as like what you need in place, I think one thing you got to realize is like you are a CEO if if you're running your own business right now. And what does that mean? It's like you're like a contractor to a house that you're building. So you're not going to get out there and like start hammering away and start like running the electrical mm-hmm. and start, right. You're not doing all that. You're not painting the walls and yeah. hanging the wallpaper. You are the contractor. So you're hiring the wallpaper. You're hiring the guy who's going to hang, you know, do everything. You're going to you need your experts. Your yeah, so what? Right. So whatever your expertise is and you feel comfortable doing great. Like, so for example, I'm a CPA. I don't do my books.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: cause I can hire that out for cheaper than I'm going to do sitting there doing it. Like bench.com is, Yeah. Like I use bench.com right now, which is amazing. Um, and it's for a couple hundred dollars a month. They do all of my like input into QuickBooks or whatever they, their program is and they go through. And then at the end of the year, they do my tax return. Right. So it's like, why would I spend the time doing that? Um, when I can just outsource that to, to a specialty, same thing with like, you know, CorpNet, they do all of my like, like, um, filings and Everything that I need to for state compliance and federal compliance, right? So, outsource as much as you can, so you can keep thinking about the future of your business. Same thing with a deck; like you can do a deck, or you can hire companies that make the help you make the deck. And make it's it sort of pretty. like
0: know what you're good at and and not stay in your lane because I think as an entrepreneur, yeah. we can never just have one lane. We have so many lanes, um, but I think it's like ask for help, know when to seek help, and and get the support you need so that you could get to the goal that you want, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's just like with coaching, you're not going to, if some people, just like you had said earlier, just like um, when you have a trainer, you need a trainer because you're going to show up and you're accountable. It's the same thing Mm -hmm. with coaching, right? It's the same thing with being an entrepreneur. If you need to hire out to the expert to do your taxes or whatever it is, then that's what you need to do. And you just count it as an expense. Right. And the one thing that someone explained to me once, and it's so true, if
1: you know, like, especially for you, like where you're coaching and you know how much money you make an hour, if you know what you make an hour, say, you know, you're making $200 an hour, anything that you can outsource for less than $200 an hour, you should be outsourcing that because you're losing, there's an opportunity cost to you, you know, so say it's $50 an hour to get an accountant to to enter your thing. And you're still entering your, you know, like I have a doctor friend. So she makes like $500 an hour and she's still literally doing her um, her payroll. Wow. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you need to be like, outsource that because that
0: hour yeah, that you would have taken clients. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cause you would have made $500 that you just lost. Yeah. Right. So the $200 it cost you to payroll, you just left $300 on the table. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's, that's one thing you got to look at. Like when you're trying to decide to do something or not, it's like, can I be making more money or should I be using this opportunity and time to like really focus on growing my business and let other people you're, you're putting in systems in place as you grow your business. Because if anyone wants to buy your business or invest in your business, they want to know that that business runs without you.
0: Yeah. And so
1: you have to put systems in place so that that business is running without you.
0: So so I think you bring up a, a good point is around systems because I think that's one of the things, whether it be habits, structure or systems, right? And I think that um, a lot of people don't understand how to create those systems. so. So how would you suggest that when somebody is starting their business for the first time, that they start to create a system that works for them? Mm-hmm. Whether that be a system of like, when am I working? You know, because people have the idea that when you're an entrepreneur that you have flexibility, right? Or what what you do, but then what is the time that you're going to spend working on your business so it grows mm-hmm. and have more sales,
1: right? Yeah. Yep. Systems. I think it's been like this past year, I spent a lot of time on like this whole system concept, because I think everything in your life, you should have a system for Right. And I'm just learning this now at 50 years old. I'm like, I wish I, I tell my my teenagers now, I'm like, set up a system for everything in your life. Like where you're keeping your notes and just where you're t- tasks and everything, because you waste a lot of time if you don't do that. So to answer your question as a, as a CEO, I think where I have learned, and it might be obvious to other people, but to me, it wasn't. Is the night before is where you have to get yourself organized. So Mm -hmm. when you come in the next day, especially if you have employees, you're giving out the task and you're giving the direction of what everyone should be doing. So everyone's on the same page. Um, I think it was like Elon Musk that he did a whole like TED talk about this. And was it Elon Musk? It was about like velocity. Like you want to make sure your vectors, like, think of each um, employee as a vector,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: So if you're not giving them direction, they're all going in different directions, right? So totally. the vectors- when they don't know where to go. And they they don't, don't know where, where to go. So if you add up the vectors, they're not going anywhere. It's literally going to just be like a point because it's like five that way, four that way, five plus four is one. You're only still at the same place. Whereas if you're giving direction and every employee is a vector going in the same direction, now you can add up each of those vectors to create the path that you're going on, right? So that's super important is like getting yourself organized. The other thing someone um, told me once was, which is really what I've been trying to do now is everything you do, even if you're doing it right now, start writing it out. So if you were to not show up work tomorrow, someone can open up the spreadsheet or the document that you've like, this Mm -hmm. is how you um, you know, produce a podcast for this week,
0: Mm -hmm. you know? So- um,
1: write everything out so and so even when that person either gets promoted who's doing the work or leaves it's there
0: goes so back the to pers- the
1: systems go back to the system so create a system that means just documenting everything and then making sure there's like you follow that and see if you're anything's falling through you know like the cracks or if you've like there's redundancy or there's inefficiency there that you can like either you know
0: Give it to somebody else to do, or or get rid of it, or if maybe you don't even need to do it Mm -hmm. more efficiently. So, Um, I have a question for you. So, you have five kids. You run two podcasts. You invest. You have a lot. You do. I mean, we could go on. But how do you do it all? When we're talking about systems, right? Because let's face it. I mean, I just did a tidbit that I released today on like working from home with the three kids and then my husband's still here, right? The three kids, thank God, are at school now, but still, um, we still have to worry about them. So how do you do it with five kids and everything that you do?
1: You know, I don't do it all well. I think that's the problem. Like you were saying to before we jumped on, like the book that I just launched, like, have I properly, you know, given it the attention it needed? No. Like things of all, do I, have I left my kid at school? Yes. Have I forgotten I to get on? Up yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yesterday Have I, you know, have I, you know, forgotten to get on an Instagram live or a podcast with somebody? Yes. You know, like, so yes, things have fallen through the cracks. I definitely like this morning someone was supposed to get on with me. I definitely have now like just, like she was like, Oh my God, are you mad? I'm like, no, I am not going to get mad at things like that. People have gotten mad at me, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Life's too short. Like this is not, we're both alive. We're both healthy. So no, it it doesn't matter to me. Like, so I put things in perspective real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, two, I would say is I've empowered my kids. I did a podcast yesterday with another woman and she has six kids and she has the largest finance company in Canada. Wow. And she's a, and she's a real housewives of Canada. And so I was talking oh to her and I was like, how do you do it? And she's like, and we both agree. This is what we do we both like make our kids do their own lunch boxes yeah. and empower them very early. Like instead of sitting there, you know, yes, I could be packing their lunches and, but that's an hour that, you know what? I just empowered them to take care of themselves. Like and they you, learn to be responsible. They learn to be, you need to teach them in your mind. I know we want to take care of our kids, but at the same time, we need to teach them that like. At eighteen, like you need to be able to like take care of yourself when you go to college, and know how to make eggs, and make yes. your bed, and do your laundry, and and, and do how all to coexist because you're going to have a roommate,
0: so you better not drive him crazy. Correct, correct, <laughs> or drive him crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: The one thing I have not mastered that I it weighs on me is the whole like cooking dinner thing. Um, because I want to cook dinner for my kids every night. It just doesn't seem to ever happen. I don't know what happens. So we wind up always doing like a takeout or I pull something out of the freezer or I make tacos or,
0: you know, so it's not, yeah. I, I I feel the same way. I think that some people, again, I think it's like where your focus and priorities are on and, um, I know you and I like to eat good food and enjoy yes. food <laughs> um, and we certainly like to cook as well. I mean, I'm a certified chef, but it's not that oh, I, really? wow. I am actually. It was one of the things I did when I left the corporate world. I quickly learned that I didn't want to be a chef.
1: Yeah, I, like, oh, I like to
0: eat good food, but geez, you have to chop all this stuff.
1: That's a lot of. That's the problem, right? And then, exactly. and then I was prep, doing that whole prep stuff again. Yeah, but for a little while, I was actually cooking great meals, and then all of a sudden, you realize with five kids, somebody's not going to like it, or they have a comment: "Oh, it's too salty. I don't like the flavor." I didn't want that. I don't like salmon, and you're like, "Wait, why did I just spend two hours of my day cooking this meal that no one likes? Like, forget it. Like, I'm done. I'm out." Like exactly. <laughs>
0: well, and I think you know, let's face it: in the early ages of our children's lives. We probably spent a lot of trial and error on a lot of that stuff. And I think we need to go back and value ourselves and our time of how we like to spend our time with our families, right? But how do we like to spend our time in general? And I think when all of our children have such heavy schedules, right? And um, so in which case, would you prefer to be making them a dinner that they're gonna complain about possibly? Possibly one of the five will. Um, you know, that's just statistics. Yeah, of course. But, or would you rather be recording a podcast with somebody and you might get a lot from that?
1: Right, exactly. And so, or you're, you know, I'm driving them around to their activities. And as you know, both of our, all of our kids are very busy, right? There's a lot of activities after school and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think it picking them up from school and driving them, and to me, I value that more than making sure I'm home cooking dinner while somebody else is picking them up um, and driving them to their activities. So, exactly, I,
0: yeah. I feel the I feel the same way. So it actually me makes me feel quite at home and and um, at comfort to know that you struggle with those things as well. But it sounds like you've made the choice that that you gain so much by having these podcasts and working that it almost gives you an semblance of what your past life was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know what? It, it's funny because like my daughter came home the other day and she said, this is my seventh grader. And she goes, my teacher said to me today, like, I know so much about politics and what's going on in the, in the world and world events. Like she complimented me. She's like, you know, more than anybody else in the class. And I was like, okay, I might not cook you a meal, but I'm explaining to you like what's going on in the world. And I tried to like enlighten her about like everything, the world events and what's happening and and business and and thinking like for yourself and as an entrepreneur. So I feel like, you know, I'm going to give in other ways that I'm better at. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, or you choose to be better at. Yeah. So, so um, let's go back to the book for a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. I think uh, one of the things that a lot of people will say when you have a service-based business is, you know, content, 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 uh, have a course, have a book, uh, on and on and on, have a successful Instagram and everything else. So tell me a little bit about your process, writing the book, how it came up, um, the subject matter, like, what do you cover? What am I going to get from it? Sure.
1: Um, yes. You know, I really wanted to try to figure out why, or at least my take on why I think women um, have been not as successful as men, you know, and we can sit here and blame them and all we want, but obviously like there's other issues or there's other reasons why that is right. Cause Definitely. why are some, why are some successful, some not, you know, yeah. so you know, why only 5% of women in in the workforce get to become a CEO or why, you know, only 1.7% ever reach a million dollars in sales. And what can we do to help change that? And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of what the crux of the book is, you know, and I I saw a trend, it's like resilience. Women who are resilient and don't give up are the Mm -hmm. ones, like every single one of them will tell you it's resiliency. It's being able to pivot. Yes. Every almost every single one I talked to, what they started their business at was not what they wound up becoming successful Mm -hmm. with right? And just start the same thing. Yeah. And think we're perfectionists as women in general, and we want to do it all. So we don't ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to show our cards because then we think we're women and it shows weakness. Whereas men are the first one to walk in and ask for help and be like, Hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that exactly. for me? Right. Or they walk into a situation and they think they know more than they do. Whereas women walk into a situation and assume they know less than they actually do. Um, so I think walking in with confidence and getting that, um, you know, not having that imposter syndrome is mm-hmm. I think a huge part of it. Um, but asking for help, that was another thing I found really um, astonishing is that I think it was like 65 or 70% of men have mentors and only 30% of women have mentors. Wow.
0: That's so and interesting.
1: I, and I look back on my life and I never really had a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I would think to myself, like, if I had a mentor, would I have, well, how would my
0: path be different? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I thought that was- I love really that statistic, actually. That's really interesting mm-hmm. to note. Mm -hmm. Um, it's actually one of the reasons why I decided to become a coach was because I felt like we were lacking mentorship and leadership in the corporate world. Obviously we know that expands way beyond that, but that's, that's amazing. Hmm. And I don't think, and you're going to probably hate me for saying this, but I don't think women are as, um, helpful with other women as they should. I don't hate you for saying that. I actually just noted, cited that this morning on somebody else's podcast
1: because I feel like, you know, people always like want to blame the man, but Uh, I I love working
0: with men. I I don't know how I ended up like only focusing on women, but I love working with men, but yeah, Yeah. we are similar that way. We work. Yeah, exactly.
1: Cause I was, I had lots of brothers and, and I worked in, you know, investment banking, that's all men and all that. But, um, you know, I find men just kind of let things roll off their back. They don't care what color shoes you're wearing. They don't care if your hair has been brushed, like they don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas women, I feel like in general, cause we're, we're very critical of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the first one to be like, Oh God, I don't look good today. Or my eyes are puffy or I've gained some weight or and so we kind of like are that way to other people, you know, like they will walk in and be like, "Oh, why is she wearing those, that those colored tights with that outfit, you know? And so, and then we're not as supportive in general, I think too. I think we, as women need to make sure we can reach down. I, I can name some women who, you know, you helped getting there, but then once they get there, they don't want to help you up, you know? And I don't know if it's because they feel it's like that they- ladder approach. Yeah, yeah. Like pull up other women. Like once you reach there, I know it was hard. I know it was probably much harder to get where you are than it is even now. Because uh, we do have a great opportunity as women right now. We have right? an because, amazing
0: opportunity as women right now.
1: Because it is there's being a light shine on the fact that there are not enough women in the workforce and and women are not getting the money that they should be getting to raise money. Because actually, if you invest as an angel investor in a woman business, you have a better chance of getting your money back and more money from a woman than from a man. There's a statistic for that as well. So. Go for it. Like uh, we, as women just need to help each other out and go for it and be confident and make sure you ask. Um, and I think that's the problem. And I think a lot of women, we like our life. We want to be, you know, and I think a lot of women choose to step out of the corporate world because they don't want to have to balance it all. They want more flexibility and, you know, and so therefore there's just not the opportunity for other companies to pick women because there are a lot of women choose Like I chose to leave the workforce because I wanted to raise a family, right? And I think there's a lot of other women
0: who are, are in the same boat. Yes, absolutely. Um, so my question is like in the book, at the end of it, am I gonna feel empowered to, I, I, I understand that you know, shining the light that there's not enough women and that the commonality of character traits is resilience and determination. And I see those things as well um, am I going to walk away understanding how to get there?
1: Yeah. So it's funny. One of my friends said to me, a lot of my friends who are their kids are in college now. They're like, I sent this book to my daughter Mm -hmm. because they're like, it's almost like what color is your parachute for the Mm -hmm. 21st century where it's like, it, you, I kind of dive into like, know what you want out of life. Like, know if you want to raise a family. If you want to raise a family, then you're not going to want a job where you're going to need to put in 100 hours a week. You know, like, so just kind of know that going in. Um, be honest with
0: yourself about it.
1: Be honest with yourself. Right. And then, so it's kind of like looking at who you are, making sure you have like that mentor making sure you have the self-confidence and posture. So like, we all have it. So just put it aside. Like I kind of walk through kind of all the kind of hurdles that I have seen other women. They're not thinking big enough. Like if you're, if you're making candles, like that's great. Now think big, like, where can you be selling those? Sell them online. Don't just sell them at the, like, you know, the, the, local the, farmers the market. Display. Yeah,
0: like, exactly. Think
1: big, go for it. Like be, be the number one candle person. Like don't, like sell yourself short. I and why a not this, think big? Right. Yeah. And a lot of times, like I, I haven't had people who've come to me asking for money and I love the concept. And the reason why I have not invested is because it's not a big enough market. Because I'm like, why are you not selling it to here and here and here? Well, I, I'm like, I'm got like, I, I need to know, because if I'm going to take this risk as an angel investor, I need to know it as potential of being a unicorn, a billion dollar business, mm-hmm. I don't want it to be a hundred thousand dollar business in 10 years. Like that's not going to get me the risk reward that I need to. So you have to think bigger, 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 and making sure that that market that you're in can be bigger. Um, or maybe you don't want it to be that you don't want that kind of a company and you just want to just have it out
0: of your house and, and that's okay. But mm-hmm. you just want to make sure. And you know your- that and be clear about what you're trying to create. But like, just like you said, that so many women pivot as they're launching to something different and it, it gets something completely different gets created out of what the original concept was.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Um, so, so here's another question for you. Um, So, so when you're, you're launching and stuff um, and you have your structure and say you get derailed, like how do you motivate people to keep going? Like what are, like when you're saying, you know, don't give up and resilience is key. Do you think you're born with that? Or do you think that it can be learned? That's an interesting question. Um,
1: Because do you, do you know who Ty Lopez is? I don't know if you know I know that name he's a he's a social like a digital marketing person that's how he started but because he's done so well in digital marketing he's now gone and bought like Radio Shack and um what else did he buy dress barn maybe I don't even know what other companies that have gone out of business that he's like bought now for their names Toys R Us maybe he bought I don't remember but he's bought companies that like
0: he's gonna now well-known brands that he's gonna relaunch
1: yes that have gone out of business you right mm-hmm. so anyway what what he did a he's a great um like things that you can listen to like a, he just reads a, he reads a book a day mm, and so and then he talks great. about it so right. i like have his app that i listen to is whatever so anyway one of his things that he talks about was um Writing being able fan. to pivot being able to pivot is incremental and so he brought up a point where like if you ask somebody in high school like who's going to be the most successful you would might say the smartest, the prettiest, the captain of the, you know, whatever, most popular, whatever. It's not, it's the one who was able to like withstand anything. And it's kind of like going back to, you know, going back to like way back when, when you can like adapt when creatures adapted to who we are today. Right. Those are the Mm -hmm. ones who lasted the longest. And so he talks about all that in this book. I can't remember which book he read to do that, but I I think it's, I think you can, um, but I do think you'd have to have some adversity in your life at some point. Right. And maybe that is the adversity that you're facing, but I think the people who are the ones who are most successful are the ones like a Tony Robbins, who had a shitty, I'm sorry if you're not a person here, childhood that you're like, okay, he already, you know, grew up with a shitty child, he knows what adversity is. And so he's able to kind of Transcend. pivot and do that. Right. And I think a lot of people who are super successful, you'll look, they probably had not the best childhood because they were able to withstand anything and, and keep keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so. I, I do think it's it can be learned, but I do think you have to have that grit, and maybe the grit is being a Division One, you know, you know, athlete in college, and you learn that grit there. Yes, but you have to like learn it at some point. I don't think you're born with grit. I think you're you're thrown into it, and you have to learn it.
0: Yeah, because of a crisis or a situation. That's usually yeah. when people create change. Uh, mm-hmm. Is because of some sort of specific situation that happened. Cat- catap- well,
1: we all kind of just went through it, right? So anybody can say. <laughs> we just went through a pandemic, right? And especially these teenagers, we're still in like, it's so did it, yes. But, yeah. but I mean, these poor teenagers, like, they just kind of went through this, like, thing traumatic. where they sat in their room, traumatic. I mean, that is traumatic. So, in a sense, we've all just kind of went through a crisis, right? Yes. And, and, and it's how you come after. out
0: the other side with either reinventing yourself or. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, pivoting or, you know, pivoting is kind of over, overused now, but you know, that they're, they're not calling this the great resignation for no reason. Right. Exactly. Cause we're all looking at it.
1: So to answer your question, I think any entrepreneur, I think as long as you can hold out as far as like financially and however else you're running, you know, your life that you know that you can, but I mean, a lot of the women I've talked to, like, literally, like I had to mortgage my house. I sold off my jewelry. Cause I knew this was going to work. It just was a matter of time. Right. And so it's like, what is your conviction and how they're like, I had to, I was a single mom. I had no other way to make money. I couldn't just work at minimum wage. I had to create something for myself. To make more money, and I, I knew I had to do it for the sake of my children. Right? It's like that. Why
0: you, yeah. you have to have that why? I love that. Yeah, you're basically talking about defining somebody's purpose and mm-hmm. and and how they're going to get there. So so well, you and I could clearly talk for hours. Um, and so you have so much wisdom and knowledge, and and I love this interview because I think it's uh, so different than so many of the ones that I have had because we've really talked about some real stuff around finances and and tangible tools. My question for you uh, is really, I always like to end on values and I'd love to understand a little bit more about what you feel like your top uh, five core values are and how they guide you every day in your decision-making.
1: I think number one, I would need to know that at the end of the night, when I put my head on the pillow, I do the right thing. I, I really truly believe that, or at least I believe that. I try to treat everybody equally. I try to do the right thing. I definitely am always, probably to a fault, willing to help other people out because I I do feel like what goes around. I believe in karma, like what like goes me, around. Yeah, uh, giving back comes giving back because what goes around comes around, right? If I'm a jerk, it's going to come back to me, or if I cheat somebody in a contract, or it's going to come back to me. Like I definitely believe that. Um, so I also believe in empowering other women. I love to know that helping others, other people see their dreams come true. That's probably why I also like investing in other women, seeing other people's dreams like happen or
0: their, you know. well, you were the same way with beauty counter, you know, mm-hmm. you, you would bring the entire team together to your home, opening your home, spend the money on all that. That's because you care.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also believe in like more the merrier. I'm always like, be inclusive. Like, I just feel like we're all different. We all have, um, we're all fighting a battle that you might not see, you know? Absolutely. And so it's like, have empathy for people know that um, it's taken me a long time to get to this point, you know, where like, I used to be like, flip somebody the bird cause they cut me off or whatever. And now I'm just like, you know what? You don't know what's going through them. They either didn't see me, maybe they're a jerk, but I'm going to just assume they're either in a rush. They didn't see me there's something that happened like they're, their kids in the hospital, they're, whatever, right. Just mm-hmm. assume the best in people. Um, and, and, and I truly believe like you put something out there positive, it comes back at you. You have to get your body, your yourself to a higher resonation and energy. I know you believe this too. Absolutely. Um, and the good things come like you can harp in that negative energy and have people that are around you that are super negative. And you could just be stuck there and it's just, mm-hmm. you're not going anywhere. You're well, you stuck are in what you attract. Yes.
0: I so love that. Yes. why not be attracting the resonation of the energy and the types of people that you want in your lives, you know? Right.
1: Because you, I really do believe this. So for anybody, like just fake it till you make it, believe that you're already there, whatever the saying goes, because it really- does work because all of a sudden, when you are at a higher vibration, it does. I don't know what it is, but doors
0: open. It like and people- amplifies. It that's does a manifestation I mean, process.
1: It, it it's truly it does work. I do believe that. And anybody that's negative and making you feel bad about yourself, get them out of your life. Like mm-hmm. even if it's family members, like it's or just shift not your energy.
0: Shift the energy, like mm-hmm. uh, or try to shift the relationship if that's not possible
1: mm-hmm exactly Shifted out yeah I don't know if that was five I just kind of but I, I do like think it
0: all that is kind of where it needs to be at so um thank you for thank you for sharing all of that and I think that thank all you. of those uh resonate a lot uh with who you are as a person and um I would love for you to leave the audience with anything you would like them to know like where do they purchase your book um I know you have some courses I know you have an event that's even coming up and obviously there are people all over that watch this. Uh, So I'd love for, or watch and listen. Um, I'd love for you to leave them with your Instagram and all the important details, not only just about Badass CEO, but also about your Lyme's disease because um, that's an important component of your life. And it also requires you to set boundaries on your time and your investment as well.
1: It's true, it's true. So my website is thebadassceo.com. My Instagram is badass. Dot CEO. I'm also on LinkedIn, which is Mimi McLean, M-A-C-L-E-A-N. My book you can get on Amazon, which I'd be so appreciative if you, it's not that expensive. I think it's $12 or something. And if you can leave a review, that really does help. Um, but it's how to, how to become a badass female CEO. Um, and so as far as the Lime, it's Lime 360. So if you know anybody that has Lime or if you have Lime come check me out there. I do know it's a very lonely disease. Um, and so, um, just to surround yourself by positive things that what's going on to help each other out is, is what I'm trying to do. Um, and so, yeah, so thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate getting the message out for yeah, both. Yeah.
0: And I really, uh, I really appreciate your time and I, uh, really value our relationship uh, and the, res- the reciprocity. So going back to one of the things that you actually said in your interview about women uh, lifting each other up uh, from the ladder, I feel like we've always had a very collaborative relationship and I, I really appreciate you. So thank yes, you. Yes, so
1: I know. I miss seeing you. I, we, we see thank each other all you. the time when I was in LA, but- I'm Back to LA! <laughs> I know. Well, thank you so much.
0: All right. Well, you have a wonderful day and everybody please look into the book, The Badass CEO Mimi McLean is just an amazing machine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> See you. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Opportunity Knox podcast by Empower Purpose and me, Michelle valenzuela bull If opportunity is knocking at your door, feel free to take inspiration from the journeys of our diverse female entrepreneurs. Their tips and transparency are all available on the Opportunity Knocks podcast. Thank you for your support and subscribe now.